everybody. This is Kelsey Hallow, and you are listening to Foot of the Cross. <laughs> Sounds a little bit obsessive, doesn't it? But hey, I just wanted to give a little bit more kick to it. I don't know. I'm trying out different things. I'm doing a little bit more different to show you that I'm more comfortable when doing my podcast, because now I don't feel like I'm talking to an audience I don't know anymore. I feel like I know a lot of you. Some of you write me. A lot of you are on my Facebook page. And some of you I actually do personally know, which, again, I thank you so much for taking the time to listen to my podcast. And that's coming from the heart when I say that, because you guys... I felt inconfident when I started this whole shenanigans, and I say that only because it was shenanigans to me at first. When I was 20 years old, before I was pregnant with my son, and I was married, had a 12-month-old daughter, had just gotten married, actually, April 21st, 2006, me and my husband were living in a camper off of Donut Road in San Antonio, Texas. We got married at a little old church nearby. And it was very, very personal with his parents, my parents. My little girl was my flower girl, putting the little petals on the floor and then picking them back up, putting them back in the basket because she wanted to keep them and she didn't understand why, for the likes of her, would anyone throw such beautiful flower petals away? So, as you can see, oh, and that, he also married me on his lunch break as an iron worker, working 12 hours a day. It wasn't until I found out I was pregnant with my son, he actually had to switch to nights, which was horrible timing. My point being that at that time in my life, before I found out I was pregnant with my son, as I was saying, is that I was actually in the middle of writing a novel. Wanted to write about the experiences I had gone through, how I crawled and climbed and scraped and screamed my way out of those situations. But the thing is, is that as I look back and I look at my life today, I am so glad I never finished that novel. You want to know why? And by the way, I truly believe it was God as the reason why I didn't finish that novel because He, before any of us, can see what's fixing to happen or what's going to happen before we do. So, I'm glad. And I am so grateful that I didn't, because here's why. The ending, it would have been completely incomplete. I didn't know I was going to get a divorce, for one. We uh, separated eight years later. Not only that, but him getting back on drugs later on, after I had our son and everything. I mean, it was while my son was a toddler and my daughter was just a little bit older than a toddler. I mean, 
he was about four or five when he got back on drugs. And I w didn't want an ending like that. I wanted a better one. But I thought that after him going to rehab five or six times, he would eventually stay sober. And I could end it with, Travis is clean, and I've been clean for this long, and we are doing so well. Pray for us. Continue to pray for us, and pray that I'm able to write another book soon. The end. You know, that kind of ending. But at the time, my ending would have been, we're trying to have a, a baby, and... We're living in a camper, and I don't know what's going to happen. And then all that other stuff would have happened. And if I had been on book tour after finishing that novel, I'm not saying I'm the best writer in the world, but I had already had a real true publisher read the first 25 pages, and she loved it. She lived in Atlanta. She had a $2 million home that I can't stop bragging about to people. I'm not bragging about it for me. I'm bragging about it for her. Because I felt so pleased and so grateful that someone like her, you know, up to her... I, I was deeply happy. Deeply grateful that first of all she took her own time to look at it and secondly I was thrilled that it was up to her standards and she was saying that if I finished the novel you know that she would be my publisher so my point is if I had gone on book tour and all the other stuff happened later on I would have felt like a hypocrite. I would have felt like I let down my audience, my fans. And then to top everything off, a lot of my audience and fans would have thought of me as a complete liar. Because I really truly believe that I was marrying the love of my life, which by the way, I did. He was my best friend, lover, and now, at the time, my husband. It was drugs that made him the person that I no longer loved. And he, ne he never hit any woman in his whole life. Until he was really high with me and ended up doing certain things that you just don't do to a woman. Like, for one, one of the times my mom was staying with us, we were in South Carolina, and I had brought him pizza right out of a 450-degree oven, okay? Big slice of pizza. And I said, you could have said, thank you, asshole, or something like that, but whatever mood he was in... He was like on his first beer because we were all just lounging around and he was off work that day. It was a Saturday. 
and he picked up the pizza and it landed right on my chest and it scolded me. It absolutely scolded me. Gave me second degree burns. I didn't go to the hospital and I took care of it myself. And my mom took him to the side and said, what the hell is the matter with you? Not knowing that eventually that would turn into something worse. I'm going to go over and not talk about the things that he did to me because that's not what this session is about. But skipping over the other things, I'm going to say that eventually, after moving back in with my mom and dad when I was leaving him, he choked me right in front of my children. They walked in the room and he didn't stop. And I couldn't breathe and I thought I was going to die. And it was because of my son taking a 20-ounce Mountain Dew bottle and hitting him over the head with it that caused him to stop. I seriously was losing consciousness. And my parents were not in the house. And that was very scary for me. And he kept blaming me and blaming me for his actions. But the fact of it all is, is that even if I was beating the crap out of him, he is like six foot three, possibly six four, but I'm pretty sure six two or six three, and much stronger than me, especially as an iron worker. Didn't have huge muscles, you know. He grew up with those dangly arms. He was very tall, very skinny, scrawny until he started doing iron work. And he had so much strength compared to me. I am 5'2". I'm short. And I can be strong when I need to be. When I'm put in a position where I need to protect my children or defend myself. But honey, that's called adrenaline. But when he has his hands wrapped around my neck, there's no way that I can remove them. And the only way that I could seriously get him is if I slapped him in the face, which I did before. And that time was only because I was trying to get me and my kids out of the South Carolina home, come back to Tuscaloosa. And when he managed to get me over in the passenger seat and get in the driver's seat and say, I'm coming too. And I said, no, you're not. I said, there's no way I'm letting you come back to Tuscaloosa with us because you're not staying with me and the kids you're not keeping this vehicle because me and the kids should have a car I said because I know that you're not going to get a job in Tuscaloosa he was a brat if he wasn't making more than $20 he wouldn't take a job even if it was to help me and the kids he would allow my parents to pay to take care of us while he was not working I even at one point had to go get a job at Waffle House for a little while because he wouldn't accept a job that paid lower than 20 bucks. And I knew if he came back with us, he wouldn't get a job. And I said, no, I'm taking the car. I'm getting me and the kids out of here. And he said, why? I said, because you had a friend pull a gun in front of me in our own house. You didn't do anything about it. And... I, it was all, it all started because I told him he needed to leave after I found guns under our bed. I said, Travis, I'm done with all this crap.
and he thought that we needed to just take all of our furniture and go sell it off, split the money, and that we needed to drive back to Tuscaloosa. And if I knew if I did that, that I would regret it because me and my kids needed that furniture at some point. Well, you know what that asshole did? He took our stuff and he <laughs> he actually trusted a drug dealer to keep our things in his shed. They moved away, changed their address, changed their Facebook, uh, Facebook account, changed their email address, and turned off their cell phone and got another cell phone and changed their cell phone number. So, hello. Sorry for cussing so much, but it was so hurtful. And thank God that I don't want that novel to get out because all of my, that novel was in there with it, by the way. But the one thing that truly hurt me was that all the poems and short stories that I had written since I was nine years old was with that stuff. And when I was hiding boxes of mine and the kids things that I wanted to bring back to Tuscaloosa I had my stuff in there but when he got back a hold of the car he took everything out and in front of the police I had to re-put stuff back into the car well because two boxes looked alike I grabbed the wrong box the second time I packed the car up to get me and the kids safely back to Tuscaloosa so I lost all of that poetry and everything I've been able to save has been stuff that yes I could win poetry contests and stuff but until I have enough to put in a novel again or a book of poems I'm not going to try to do anything with it because I won contests as I was younger when I was 13 years old, my biography, along with two poems, was published in a book that you can go to Books A Million right now and buy under Chelsea Hallow, my maiden name, H-A-L-L-O. The only reason I still have West as my last name is so that in case anything comes in West, like a check or something, I can still have it cashed with no problem. And then not only that, but my son's last name is West, like his daddy Travis my ex-husband and I wanted him to know that we're still all family in some type of way and I didn't want him to feel different from the rest of us the only reason why my daughter's last name never got changed was because it would have been like 10,000 American dollars for her to be adopted by my husband but he would she was always still his daughter because from 12 months and up he was her father, but I swear to God, though, when he came back to Tuscaloosa and got on drugs really, really hard, he faded and faded out of these kids' lives, and now my son wouldn't even know what to say to him if he saw him, and it's just really hard, so please pray for us. Um, I was, I'm not going to mention his name right now, but I was actually going to allow my daughter 
to meet her biological father, which is why she's one quarter Mexican, 25% Hispanic. And I was going to allow her to meet him because I heard a year and a half ago he got married to a wonderful girl. And I was very pleased because I heard that they had been together for a couple years before they got married and that they were a good match, a good couple. And I heard a long time ago that he stopped doing drugs and he was drinking for a while, gained a gut, but still. He became a good man and was going to some type of church with her. And I was so excited because my daughter turned 16 July 13th, okay? A couple of days before I scheduled my oral surgery to get my new teeth, which I'm so excited about. Hallelujah. Being 34 and having messed up teeth, you know, I swear to God, I'm lucky to have the man I have today. He loves me for who I am not for how I look, and I know that he still wants me to be beautiful. I'm not stupid. Every man wants a good-looking woman, and for him, he deserves to have a good-looking woman, but anyway, my point is, is that I found out recently because I wanted to know what I was going to be walking into if I set up a meeting for her to meet her real, true, biological dad for the first time since the last time he saw her, which was when she was one year old, right before I married Travis. So that was in, she was born 2004. I married him in 2006. So yeah, she was about one and a half. I had my engagement ring on. And I took her down there to meet him and everything. And um, called the scene and he ended up hitting me a couple of times. And I grabbed her and I got out of there really fast. Because he was still obsessed with me. And I said, you're never going to change. So over these years, I never allowed her to go back to him to see him again. And I was sent, I sent a picture of her when she was about three years old to her grandmother, Eli's mom, Carmen. And I said, I'm so sorry, but until Eli is no longer in your house, I can't allow you to be around your granddaughter because I'm taking too much risk. And I explained to her that the last time he saw me driving around Tuscaloosa, Alabama, by myself, he actually ran my car off the road to say, I've got a bottle of Jack Daniels in the back of the car. Please come to a hotel with me and let's make love because you know you still love me. And I said, Eli, I don't still love you. You were not the one then. You're not the one now. You ended up abusing me, kidnapping my daughter, kidnapping me for 10 days until I got away after manipulating you. I said the police couldn't even find me. And I don't know what would have happened had I not been able to manipulate him to let him know that I love him. I mean, I had to turn into an actress with this man or I might have never been seen again. So my point is though that 
I found out a week ago by someone who married into the family for a little while. Eli's first cousin, Jessica, who grew up across the street from him, married one of my good friends, Terrence, who I won't say his name, but the fact is, is that they had some kids together, and he knows Eli, and he knows his new wife. I still say new if it's only been, you know, a year and a half to two years since they've been married. But anyway, he said that he had seen her recently, that they had a talk, and that he's been beating her. And she is so scared of him that she wouldn't even take a little bit of money from Terrence to get some food. And that shows me that it's not so much about the beating, but it's about the manipulation and the control he has over her. He was, she knew that if he had found out that Terrence had given her money, he would have accused her of cheating on him with Terrence, and he would have beaten her for it. And part of me wants to find out where she is, wait until Eli's not around, and go and sit down and have a talk with her. Because I'm sure he has loaded her ear up with BS. Because let me tell you how Eli gets women. For the first year, at least the first year, he shows you that he can make money quick because he's good with his hands and can work under the table and make money, really good money, and really fast. And he shows you that he can take care of you financially. He introduces you to the beautiful family that he has. Cousins, aunts, and uncles. And at the time with me when I was 15 when I first met him, his mother and fa his father was still alive. He was Cherokee. Carmen was Mexican. And all of his cousins and aunts and uncles, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes and stuff, and then uh, the uncles and stuff, you could see more Cherokee in them because they all had a little bit of Indian in them. And then here comes Eli, half Mexican, half, um, you know, part Cherokee, of course, but half American, half Hispanic because his mother was truly Mexican. And that is how you know, Eli's family came about because his two older, well, his one older brother came from Carmen's first marriage. So his oldest brother, David, was truly Hispanic as well. And then him and his brother, Giovanni, were both half. I'm sorry. Eli was half. And Giovanni and David were the ones that came from her first marriage. So they went to go make some real money, oil tanks and, um, you know, where the gas, the gas lines is pretty much where they worked in Texas. Eli never went up there to work with them. And uh, he was raised in a family that I've told y'all before that None of them were racist, but Wanda, you know, she was a preacher and a woman and very racist and would never put Eli in any of the 
family albums, which put a lot of hate in his heart, which is no excuse, but the fact is, though, as I was saying, when you meet Eli, he shows you all the charm. He puts everything into you and shows you you're beautiful. I mean, I had a good singing voice, so he loved to hear me sing. So every time he asked to hear me sing, I sang for him. I gave him back massages, rubbed him down with oil, and I'm not trying to be sick. I'm just telling you straight up. And he would rub my back. He would rub my feet. And he made me seem like I was the only woman in the world that he ever wanted to be with. He made me seem like I was the most beautiful woman in the world and that there was no one else like me. Well, uh, and I'm 15, you know? And I'm like, Mom, I've fallen in love. His name is Elijah. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And his first name was Dwight after his, you know, white dad. <laughs> I was like, where does Dwight come from? And he goes, well, all of my family's white. And I said, huh? And he said, it's my mom, you know, that was married into the family that was Hispanic. And I said, oh, okay. But he manipulated me so good. And uh, the first time I tried to break up with him because he slipped one day. We And when I say slip, I'm talking about slip like showed a real part of himself by accident. We got into a little argument in my bedroom. The room next to the room I'm in now, actually, because me and my kids were living with my parents right now on the lake, which we have debated so many times. Is this place going to go to me, or is it going to be left to me one day when they pass away? <laughs> so that's why we're still here. You know, we're trying to regroup our family and um, take this time to do things together in the days that we missed together when I was with Travis all those years, because we were married for 11 years, but separated since our eighth year of marriage. Bef and then we got a divorce. So we're trying to, we've been trying to make up for lost times, and now we're trying to figure out where are me and the kids going to seriously live until they pass away or whatever, you know? So yeah, it was in the room next to this one. And he slipped up. We were in the middle of an argument, and he just got so mad. He picked up his wallet, and he slapped me across the face with it. No, I'm sorry. He slapped me on the top of my leg with it real hard, though. And it left a big, big bruise. Plus, I'm, I have anemia. And when you have anemia, you tend to bruise very easily. And then I have fibromyalgia, which also causes you bruise easily because it's an autoimmune disease. I was thinking, well, it was just on the leg. And he said, baby, baby, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know that I don't hit you. We've been together for eight months now, blah, 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 blah. And I said, it's okay. It's okay. And, um, you know, he kissed me. Well, I called him a couple weeks later, and he said, Eli, I don't think we can be together anymore. I'm 15 years old, 
and you hit me. And he said, I did not hit you. He said, where did you get that? And I said, Eli, remember when you took your wallet and hit my leg? He said, that is not hitting. And he said, you know I said I was sorry for that. Well, I had taken a picture of the bruise, and I said, Eli, I'm sorry, we're over. And he said, you're going to regret this. And he said it in such an ugly way. I didn't know what was to come. So one day my friend Alex came by because he needed to talk about his relationship with his girlfriend. And I was wearing shorts, smoking a cigarette outside. Yes, I smoked cigarettes when I was a teenager. The first thing that Alex noticed was this big whelp on my leg. And he said, not what happened to your leg. He said, who did that to your leg? So I went ahead and told him, and I said, Eli, I said, don't worry, we're over, we're over, we're over. And it was after that when the stalking began, and <laughs> but the fact is, is that I do not regret having my daughter. And I've explained to y'all that he found me at a party, put liquid G in my drink, 10 days after my 18th birthday which was October 21st, you know, and then October 31st was 10 days later on Halloween at a Halloween party, and he got me pregnant, and I didn't remember a single thing, so for nine months, I didn't know whose baby I was carrying, because I knew I hadn't been having sex with anyone, I knew that I didn't have a boyfriend, and I had a um, protection abuse order still against him when that happened and that's how I got pregnant with his child so I'm saying this today because I just found out the other day like I was saying that he's now beating his wife that he has now and my daughter was looking forward to meeting her real dad and I am so sorry that I can't give that to her because my ex-husband who was supposed to be her daddy, not father, not sperm donor, but her daddy, is not around. I know that he took mine and his stimulus check, and the rumors are that he took it and shot it up his arms, and I don't know, because he won't get a hold of me, and when he does that, that usually means that the rumors are true. I know it sounds like a bunch of drama, but I'm doing very well. My kids are doing very well. We're doing very well. But I wanted to give that to her for her 16th birthday. I didn't have to do anything with it. All I had to do was set it up, let her sit down at a cafe somewhere, and I would be sitting somewhere close by with my phone on, and they would be in my view. You know, I'd be across the street watching them. Maybe with binoculars. <laughs> and I told her, have your cell phone in your purse, you know. I said, after all that he put me through as a teenager, I said, girl, if, if he hasn't changed and he even thinks about taking you so that we have problems, I said, keep your phone on you. And we, I was going to have that little thing that showed me where her cell phone was in case anything happened. But I was going to let them talk. 
and let them catch up and decide whether or not they wanted to see each other again. So finding this out now was quite a surprise to me because when I heard that he was getting off of drugs a long time ago and then he stopped drinking and stopped smoking pot and then got married to a pretty girl, girl that he's supposedly in love with, that's just this though. Guys like him, they let you get comfortable and they make you feel like they're in love with you and they make you feel like you're the only one. And just as we believe all of that, that's when they start showing their true colors. And that's why it's not fair. Because guys ask the number one question all the time. Why haven't you left him yet? Well, because I just found out. How could you have just found out that he was an abuser? Because, like I said, even if they don't get married, they don't show their true colors until they already have your full attention. They wait until they get to that point where you are the only one in their eyes view and he's the only one in yours. Where you're not thinking about anything else except for him. He even tried to get me to live with him and told me if we live together, you can't talk to your father anymore. Because my father had a bad feeling about him and said, I don't want you seeing Eli anymore. He had my head so mixed up and so he was even trying to control me and tell me that I couldn't talk to my family. And he said, now you can't talk to your brother anymore. And then eventually he said, I'll let you talk to your mom about once a month. I mean, it was horrible. And I never want my daughter to go through that. So I have tried to raise her and tell her all the signs. But having to tell her today about what I found out about Eli was very heartbreaking to me. And I know it's heartbreaking on her. Because the man that I did marry, Travis, and him not being around, that's been painful enough on both of my kids. And I know that my daughter says that she's gone through this enough and she knows when he's doing drugs and she's been there and done that and seen him do this and seen him do that and she's used to him failing on her and her brother. And then my son is saying, I don't know what to say to him even if I saw him right now. That's all true. But I know that deep down it still hurts. So having to also tell her that she can't meet her real dad because he's still an abusive man was so hard. So today, really, I'm expressing myself. It's going to have to be later when I tell y'all advice because right now I'm just going through the hard parts and I'm asking for all of you to pray for us. Because the boyfriend that I have at the moment, I have fallen in love with him, you guys. But I recently found out that not only does he have COPD, but he has throat cancer. And I don't know how long he's going to live. And he told me that I could come to his next doctor's appointment. And I said, well, duh, for sure, because if you don't let me go, then we might as well break up right now. Because 
the last man that I was serious with, the last one that I truly loved, not the one that I dated and let stay with me for a few months because he had nowhere else to go. The last one that I was in love with, Kevin Skelton, he decided that me and the kids shouldn't stay around. He's alive still, but he had a stroke and was paralyzed from the from the head down, and they traced him and all that, and um, he had his sister break up with me and say, you and your kids keep living your life because that's what he wants. And then the man that I was actually engaged to before him, Tyler, Benjamin Tyler Wells, well, I met him through Celebrate Recovery. I was already a sponsor by then because I had been clean for long enough and I was a good sponsor. And he was clean, but still going to classes. He still gets the help and support he needed. And when he went to college, and was studying psychology at Wallace State. After seven years of not touching nothing, no relapses, nothing, he touched heroin because his roommate had a little bit and his back was killing him because he was back on a baseball scholarship. And um, I've told you guys before, but his grandfather was leaving him over a couple million dollars. And we were going to use it to open a Christian Rehabilitation Center in Tuscaloosa. Well, after Tyler overdoses on heroin, his grandfather died two months later. And we were engaged when he died. And it was horrible. So those were the last two men in my life that I was in love with. And now I'm in love again and find out about the cancer. I need to know how bad it is. You guys, so please, pray for me. I know that I sound like a girl who's got a lot of drama in her life, but it's not that simple. I'm a woman that's had a lot of things either happen to her, or I have been involved in situations that were hard. Hard to deal with, hard to handle, and I had to learn my way through it because it was a lot of first-time situations. For instance, this would be my first to have a boyfriend that I'm in love with, or am, I'm at least falling in love with him because we've been talking for two years. We've only been together for now almost a month, but talking for two years and... I'm completely falling in love with him. He's 47 years old. I'm 34. So he's 15 years older than I am. And my mom's first thought was, your dad's only 10 years older than me, but that was still a huge difference. So are you sure? Because he's 15 years older than you. And I'm going, Mom, I'm sure. Because I love this man. But to find this out, was very hard. So, when I find out the news from the doctor, I'll let you know, but there's nothing that I have to say, except for 
he's going to be here soon. Because we're going to try to have a good 4th of July weekend. And then I think I'd go with him to see his throat cancer doctor and COPD doctor in the next couple of weeks. So I will give you all an update. I'm sorry to make this episode about me and what's going on in my life. but And usually when I do, it's something from the past and I use it. So that I can help y'all get through the same type of situation. But being that it is something new for me, I have no idea what to say to y'all right now except for my heart is already broken before it was mended. That's the only way I know how to explain it. And I'm going, God, what should I do? And my mom's doing well if you marry him and you're with him until the day he dies. Then you gave him the best years of his life before he left the earth. You'll see him in heaven again one day. And you and him had love until the day he dies. And then if I choose to not marry ever again after him, okay. But according to him... He could live until the age of 80 or 100. So, I'll give you an update when I go to his doctor. But we're going to try to have a good 4th of July weekend. Like I said, my brother's coming back into town. My boyfriend will be here in a little while. My daughter's going to a party tonight with her friend Savannah. And... We're going swimming, cooking out, and fireworks tomorrow. So we have a lot ahead of us. Have a beautiful, happy 4th of July weekend. Go watch some fireworks, even if it's storming, and have a good time. Father God, I pray and I ask for you. Put a hedge of protection around me, myself included, and my family included, along with my friends and fans and the rest of my family out there that will be celebrating this weekend. I thank you, God, that if any of them drink, that they are smart about whether or not they should be driving and that they make sure that whoever is driving them around hasn't been drinking or if they have, isn't over the limit and can get them to their destination safely. I thank you, God, that there are no wrecks in Tuscaloosa because I know that going to and coming from the fireworks from downtown can be very busy, especially if it rains. It makes the road slippery. So I thank you, God, that everyone is safe and that we all get back home safely and that we all have a wonderful 4th of July. In Jesus' almighty name we pray. Amen. Happy 4th of July, everybody, and again, you're listening to Chelsea Hallow on Foot of the Cross, and uh, I ask that you share this with your friends. Pass along that Chelsea Hallow from good old Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Roll Tide, has a podcast that I am a full-blooded Christian, a Republican, and right now, I wouldn't have anybody else except for Donald Trump be our president, because... I 
sure as hell wouldn't let Biden or anyone else be. So if you don't like our president, take a look around you. Do you think Obama or Biden could do a better job? He's doing the best he can with what he has. So making America great again, it might take another minute. But fight for him. Give him another term so that we have a chance at doing what he set forth to do at the very beginning before all this coronavirus crap hit the fan. But, guys, I need more than your support. It's called listener support. And I ask you to take a look on Anchor. It'll tell you more, and it will explain to you. I know that I've been allowing y'all to listen to me for free by clicking play off of Facebook, but pretty soon that won't be happening anymore. And I want my fans and friends and family to continue to be able to listen to me on my podcast. And you have an opportunity to click whatever you need to below. It'll show the link and stuff and explain it to you. And one of the options is to pay $4.99 a month so that you can listen to all of my podcasts anytime you want. Because I am not going to stop. I am going to continue to spread the word of God. And I know that today was about my own life, but I needed to share with you what's going on with me so that you can pray so that my fellow men and fellow women, my brothers and sisters in Christ, could pray for me and my family and pray that along the way that I make the right decisions in my life because at 34, part of me feels like I have my whole life ahead of me and the other part of me feels like, well, maybe it's ending soon because God might come back in the next couple of years and maybe I just need to hurry up, settle down with my boyfriend, marry him, and <laughs> and then let my kids that I have now go off to college and just settle down in a home somewhere. And that's why I need time to pray and ask God and the Holy Spirit, what should I do, God? What should I do? So pray that I get the right answer. Pray that I hear from God and make the right decisions. But I do need your listener support so that you can continue to be a fan and hear my podcast. And I would appreciate every dime that you gave so that I could continue to make my podcast better, continue to use the tools that I need to be able to turn it into more of a sufficient podcast and to build a bigger, better foundation for it. Because without money, I can't do that. I would love go get a real microphone and put it on a desk in my home and set it all up with my own beats beside me and everything and turn it into the podcast that I've always dreamed of doing because I knew I was made for this or short stories or a blog and as I stand here I'm so glad that I chose this instead of a blog.
So please, go to listener support, use your credit card, and pay the $4.99 a month. That's all it takes to become a listener support. Thank you, and God bless, and once again, happy 4th of July, and have a wonderful and safe weekend. Hallelujah. Thank you, and good night.